Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Dear Gwitch, Agus Falche, Gadi on Kushtine, I am greeting you in my native Irish tongue because I am home. Welcome along to Fireside. Welcome to episode 19 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. I am recording this from Wicklow Town, from my hometown, from my home, my bedroom, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be back home. I've had an amazing time on the road. Those who are regular listeners to the podcast will know I've been on the road in America for the last just over two months. Um, But it's actually been three months in total since I've been at home because uh, we rehearsed the two shows. We were touring with uh, an Irish music show called Celtic Nights and then a musical theatre show called World of Musicals uh, that took us coast to coast of the United States. But we rehearsed both shows in uh, Trim in Meath. So I was actually living in Trim for the most of the month most of the month of January. So it had been about a full three months since I'd been home home, and it's great to be back. I haven't moved back up. I've been subletting my apartment in Dublin. Not that that's of any interest, I'm sure, to any of you. Um, so I'll be moving back up to the big smoke in the next week. Um, and so from then on, I will be back in the beautiful surroundings at the Head Stuff Podcast Network Studios. But for now... One final podcast to be recorded. Well, it won't be the final, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of other podcasts that are recorded on the road. Uh, but for the moment, it uh, will be the last of the podcast recorded portably, which has been great to do. It's been fantastic traveling around and being able to record the podcast. But it's so wonderful being home now and actually having breathing room because we were traveling around America by tour bus and... We're staying in hotels on our days off, so my actual times and uh, windows to get the podcast written and recorded were very tight and very slim. Um, it was great to be able to have them and great. Uh, I was delighted to have the pressure kept on me to keep releasing the podcast. Uh, it made me really happy to be able to do it week to week. Uh, but it's so nice now to be back home, to be back in Ireland and to have a bit more breathing room and knowing that I'll always have my own space and capacity to write and record these podcasts that I enjoy doing so very much. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you're very welcome. Please uh, maybe listen to this one, and then if you like it, why don't you go back to the very beginning and see what we're building up to here on our guide through Irish mythology and folklore. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. It means the world to me. Please do continue to subscribe to leave ratings and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to this, it all makes a difference. And uh, your continued support and comments and everything are all incredibly appreciated. So today we go back to folklore 
Um, we have an American, an, another Irish American folktale. Even though I am now back from America, I found a good few Irish American folktales that I really liked. So I want to continue those while I can because I've only done a couple. This is only the third one that I've done. Um, and there's no point in going back when they're good. And well, I think they're good anyway. And I hope you do too. And there's a few left that I want to do and really explore the idea of the American folktales, not to just touch on them, to go into them a little bit further. Uh, that's, of course, unless I could get feedback from all of you saying you would like me to go back to the to the motherland, to the proper Irish... In, basically, in case any of you are just insulted by my American accent in the characters, which I hope you aren't too much anyway. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to get on to it. I'll talk more after this t the tale uh, but this one has a funny title. Uh, this was a hard one to name because the original title, I felt, didn't really justify the story of it. Um, it was in the Richard Chase Book of American Folktales um, as Jack and the Talking Crow. It is one of the Jack tales. Um, it is comes from an Irish story in Joseph Jacobs' Book of Irish Fairy Tales called Hudden and Dudden and Donal O'Neary which is a fantastic name. It sounds like the name of a pulp western or something, I thought. And what I've done is I've taken it and I've changed a couple of things in it around and I'd like to present it to you now. So please enjoy the tale of Hudden and Dudden and Danielle O'Neary on Fireside. Hudden and Dudden and Danielle O'Neary. Once there were two rich and greedy farmers named Hudden and Dudden. Their two farms bordered each other, as was only right for two such similar and ridiculous-sounding names. The only thing in between their two farms was a small patch of land that belonged to a young and poor Irish emigrant named Danielle O'Neary. Danielle had a tin shack over her head and a small patch of grass that was barely enough for her one cow, Daisy, to feed on. Daisy was so thin and sickly, it was a very rare occurrence that Danny could get even the slightest bit of milk or even a roll of butter from her. Despite having far more land and cows themselves, Hudden and Dudden wanted rid of Danielle and her one heifer. Let's kill Daisy, Hudden said to Dudden. Yeah, if that doesn't get rid of O'Neary, nothing will, said Dudden to Hudden. That night... The two nasty farmers crept into Danielle's single patch of grass and when Danny came out the following morning to check on her heifer, she arrived just in time for the poor cow to lick her hand once and then die. Danielle mourned for her beloved cow. Although she had never produced much milk or butter, she had been Danielle's best friend. But Danny was also resourceful and knew that the best way to make money from her cow's demise was to sell its hide. So Danielle skinned poor Daisy and made her way to the market to the tanner's yard. With the hide over her shoulder, while on her way to the market, Danielle ran into a man with a crow in his hand. Hello there, Danielle. What you got there? Uh, this here's a cow hide I'm taking to the tanner's yard. What you doing with that crow? Oh, this ain't no ordinary crow. This here's a talking crow. Is that right? Yep. And it'd be worth far more to you than any money you could get for that cowhide. Tell you what, I'll trade you. And if your crow is so valuable, uh, why would you trade it to me? 
Well, I heard you lost your one and only cow. I reckon you could use a friend and a bit of luck. Danny was touched by the stranger's kindness and made the trade. She took the crow, and all the crow said was, Squawk! By this point, Danielle had travelled too far to make it home before dark, so she had to search for lodgings in the wood. She and her new crow came upon a house which was lit up inside. Danielle knocked on the door, and a woman answered. Excuse me, ma'am, but I've been travelling all day, and I, I can't make it home before first light. Could I trouble you for some lodgings? Well, my husband doesn't like me letting strangers into the house, but... I can't very well let a young woman go without a bed. You can come in, but you'll have to go straight to the loft. Danny thanked the woman and dutifully obeyed. Once she was in the loft, Danielle heard a commotion downstairs. She looked through the cracks in the rafters to see that a man had entered the house. He sat down at the table, and the woman of the house lay before him a beautiful side of roast beef, fresh bread, and fine whiskey. At least it all looked fine to Danny, who was not much better off than starving. It soon became apparent, however, that the man at the table was a preacher, due to his clothes and manner. But what soon became even more apparent was that the preacher was not, in fact, the man of the house because a knock came on the front door, and the wife hollered, It's my husband! Hide! The preacher leapt from his chair and into a barrel of tow, bits of old rope, while the wife hurried to clear the scene of the crime, hiding the beef and bread in the trunk and the whiskey under a cushion on the couch. She then let her husband in. What kept you so long? I'm sorry, my dear. I, I was in the kitchen when you knocked first. The husband was a suspicious and jealous man by nature, and in this case, how could you blame him? There's somebody here, he said to his wife. No, dear, there's no one here except you and I. And, of course, a young girl I allowed to sleep in the loft. I know you said no strangers, but I figured you wouldn't pay no mind to a young woman. I still don't like strangers sleeping in my loft rent-free, grumbled the husband and he grabbed his gun and climbed into the loft. "'Girl, get yourself down here.' "'At once, sir,' said Danielle, who had already formed an escape plan in her head. "'What you got there?' "'It's my fortune-telling crow, sir.' "'A fortune-telling crow, is it? "'Well, go on, then. Have it tell me a fortune.' "'Oh, no, sir. Uh, that wouldn't be any of my business.' "'Go on.' As far as I'm concerned, you're a guest in my home, and you haven't paid nothing for the pleasure. So a couple fortunes might go some ways towards payment. Squawk, said the crow. You shit up, said Danny to the bird. What did he say? asked the husband. Oh, oh no, sir, I, I shouldn't. You tell me right now, or I've a mind to shoot you on sight. Okay, the crow tells me that there's roast beef and bread in that trunk over there. That's not so bad, said the man. If you say so, replied Danny. The husband fetched the food from the trunk, laid it back on the table, and shared it with Danielle. Squawk, said the crow again. You hush, you'll get us both killed. What now, asked the man. He says there is a bottle of whiskey hidden under that cushion over yonder. Once again, the husband retrieved the goods and shared them with Danny. Okay, girl. 
How much for the bird? Oh, I'm afraid it's not for sale. Of course it is. Just name your price. Oh, sir, I don't know if I could sell this bird even for a thousand dollars. Besides, I I shouldn't for, um, other reasons. What other reasons? Well, do you fear the devil, sir? I don't reckon I've ever given much thought to that. Why? Because this bird can summon the devil. That I don't believe. I'll show you if you want, uh, but you best have that gun ready if I do. All the while this was happening, the wife had not said a word. She just stood by the fire with a scowl on her face, wringing her hands in anxiety. The husband had been too engrossed in the crow to notice. He loaded and cocked his rifle while Danielle moved towards the barrel of tow where she knew the preacher was still hiding. Under cover, Danny lit a match. Then she said, Be ready. Here he comes. With that, Danny squeezed the crow and he let out the loudest squawk of all. And Danny flicked the match into the bunghole of the barrel and the dry rope inside burst into flames. The preacher leapt out of the barrel, screaming and burning, and the husband was too shocked to even aim his gun. The flaming preacher ran out the door and into the woods. They all watched in horror as the bright flame slowly disappeared back into the darkness. That had to be the devil, said the husband. Who else has such a flaming trail? Tell you what, I'll give you $2,000, girl. Give me that bird. So Danielle made the exchange and the next morning was on her way. The husband was delighted with his enchanted bird. He would soon realize he couldn't communicate with it, but was at least satisfied that no one else could summon the devil. The wife was just relieved that her husband had not found out about her illicit tryst. The preacher was never seen again. Danielle returned home to her farm with all her money and began to build and expand on the dilapidated shack. It wasn't long before Hudden and Dudden took notice again and marched on over to Danielle's tiny tract of land. Where on earth did you get the money to build on your land? Why, at the tanner's yard. I brought Daisy's hide to the tanner and had it cut into money. I got me $2,000 out of that skinny hide. Hudden and Dudden couldn't believe their ears. They each went and killed as many of their biggest and fattest cows as was possible and loaded their hides onto a cart and made their own way to market. When they arrived, they went straight to the tanner and Dudden said, We'd like to have these hides turned into cash, please. Yeah, said Hudden. If you could have them cut into twenties, that would do nicely. The tanner, of course, looked at the farmers like they were crazy and laughed them off his yard. Hudden and Dudden realized they had been deceived and decided to do what they felt they should have really done all along and kill Danielle once and for all and just take her money. Hudden and Dudden crept back into Danny's yard that night, kidnapped her, tied her up and put a bag over her head. They brought her to a river and were about to throw her in when they both had a sudden clash of conscience. Is this going a bit far? Hudden asked Dudden. Killing a poor young girl just for outsmarting us? I mean, we did kill her cow. We killed one cow. Her trickery made us kill dozens of cows. She's got it coming. 
Plus, we'd finally have her off our land once and for all. The two treacherous farmers decided that they needed to get good and drunk before they could cast Danny's body into the river. They left the poor girl tied to a tree. But Danny wasn't done just yet. No sooner had Hudden and Dudden went off to hunt for some liquor than Danny heard the bleating sound of a flock of sheep. The flock was led by an old shepherd who was perplexed by the sight of a girl tied to a tree. My good lord, young'un, you all right? Oh yes, I'm fine, thanks. Pay me no heed. Pay you no heed? What you doing tied to that there tree? Why, I'm fixing to go to heaven. To heaven? Well, how old are you, girl? I'm going on twenty. I thought so. Girl, you're far too young to be fixing to go to heaven. I know, but I figured I might get lost by the time I'm old and might land in the other place. Nonsense, girl. You should let me go in your place. I'm old. I've had a good life on this earth, and... Could use me a rest right about now. Oh, no, sir. I, I couldn't possibly trade places with you. I'm a poor farmer. I've nothing much else to live for. Well, how about I gave you a reason to live? How about I gave you my hundred sheep to take care of? They're all worth something, at least. Well, all right, said Danny, once again, everything going to her plan. And the shepherd untied her, and she tied him to the tree and put the bag over his head. Here's the thing, though, she said. When the angels come, they may sound rough and might possibly even smell a liquor, but you best keep your mouth shut or you won't get into heaven. No problem at all. With that, Danielle mounted the biggest ram in the flock and rode off, with the other ninety-nine sheep following suit. The hammered Hudden and the drunken Dudden soon came back, and with their consciences cleared, they threw the body in the river. Job done, they began to stumble back home to their farms, when who should they be confronted by but Danielle O'Neary on the back of a ram leading ninety-nine sheep. "'Where did you get them?' asked Hudden. "'Why won't you die?' asked Dudden. "'I don't know what to tell you, boys,' But as soon as you tossed me in that river, I landed on this here ram and rode it out of the waters, and the rest followed. There's more flocks at the riverbed, too, if you wanted to look yourself. Hudden and Dudden's taste for greed once again got the better of them, and the two farmers ran back to the river and dived in. They each swam down to the riverbed, but before either of them could even realize they'd been duped again, Hudden and Dudden drowned. With her two rivals deceased, Danielle was able to use her wealth to expand into Hudden and Dudden's land. Her sheep had room to pasture, she built a big house, and even bought some more cows. And the first of these cows she named Daisy Two. The End. <laughs> So that is the brief and sweet tale of Hudden and Dudden and Danielle O'Neary on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, it is. 
it's a strange little tale, isn't it? Those who had listened to the last um, folktale episode two weeks ago, which was the first of the Jack tales, which was the cunning thief, will see a lot of similarities between these two and a lot of strange similarities at that. Um, so the Jack tales are always about cunning, usually, and just like Jack outsmarting the odds and beating the odds. Um, and in this case, of course, I've re cast Jack as a girl um, because in it, was, it seemed absolutely no reason why not I was thinking it adds another interesting uh, interesting angle where possible and especially because it's Donal O'Neary in the Irish version and there was something about Hudden and Dunn and Danielle O'Neary like I said that just sounded like a western which I thought was quite cool um, I couldn't so in the American folktale I've borrowed I've borrowed quite a bit from both um, I always love that. That's my favourite when I read a couple of different versions of a tale and mix them together to form. Because then it feels like my own version as well as adding my own elements to them. That's when it really feels like you're you're doing folktales right, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, because like I said, the in the American, in the Richard Chase folktale book, this story is called... Jack and the Talking Crow, which, of course, is a massive element of this story. It's almost like an entire uh, side plot before we get back into the, the meat and two veg of Hudden and Dudden. Um, in, in a very similar way that in The Cunning Thief, there was the whole uh, brother, uncle, the brother Dickie subplot, which nearly took up half the story, um, which from a storytelling point of view is strange, it's unusual, and um, because it's almost like a total mini plot that actually doesn't affect the overall. But again, these stories, these kind of stories, the Jack Tales particularly, they are about the journey along the way, and they are about the different forms of cunning. So even though it is quite similar to The Cunning Thief, it's very different in terms of the means of cunning. And obviously... Um, the Cunning Thief was all about what he could take. And this is just about Danielle kind of dealing with the hands she's dealt and and as more of a revenge story. And even at the end, like the fortune as well as the cunning and the skill at the end that she is just stumbled upon by this old shepherd, which in the American version, at least, is her own father, which... I didn't particularly like because it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, in the American for, in the American version, first and foremost, it's uh, their three brothers. It's it's Jack, Will, and Tom. Which sometimes in some of the Jack tales, he has two other brothers, and they're always this Will and Tom. But then, uh, so in the American folktale, it starts off with that there's three brothers, and that they're each given a cow. And the two older brothers are mean to Jack and they make him they make him go and take their cows to pasture and Jack makes his cow eat loads and doesn't let the other cows eat at all. And so as a means of revenge, the two brothers kill Jack's cow and then Jack takes the cow off, skins the cow, gets the hide, goes off to market and then meets the fellow with the talking crow. Um, whereas I read the Irish version and it just had Hudden and Dudden. And just the names alone, I went, well, that's it. That it has to be Hudden and Dudden. Sorry, Will and Tom. And recast Jack as 
or Donal as it would have been as Danielle. So that is the beginning is very much the Irish version where it is just this poor farmer living between these two giant farms with one cow, with just the one cow named Daisy. I loved that and just kind of the relationship with it. It reminded me a lot like the Jack in these stories is very much is the Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, Jack the Giant Killer. And anyone who is a fan of the Stephen Sondheim musical Into the Woods, which anyone who's interested in folklore, um, even if you're not really into musicals at all, Into the Woods is so worth checking out. It is nothing short of a masterpiece of musical theatre and of storytelling. It's basically... um, all of the different characters from the grim fairy tales and from some British fairy tales all put in one world together and puts them all, asks them all what they wish for and gives them all happily ever after. And the the plot of the musical is basically uh, what happens after happily ever after. Um, Things get dark and things get out of hand, of course. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of theatre. I was fortunate enough to do it when I was in college in my final year, and we put on a production of it. That was one of my favourite things to do in the entire time I was in drama school, Uh, and very much a dream part ticked uh, to play the baker in Into the Woods. Um, But why I bring it up is because Jack is in Into the Woods, um, and he goes up as Beanstalk, but Jack has a cow in it called Milky White. And Milky White is very, very crucial to the plot of Into the Woods. But she similarly is a very sickly cow, doesn't produce any milk. And that's why Jack is supposed to take her off to market and sell her and ends up coming back with the magic beans. So I loved the idea of another cow, another beloved sickly cow popping up in another Jack tale. And there is something that I excluded from the tale um, which given that it was briefer um, maybe I should have put back in but I just it just seemed a little dark for me um, I, even though there's dark enough elements as it is just those that remember in The Cunning Thief the idea of the grave digging and uh, sleeping in the bed with the wife and everything like they go they push it pretty far and in this there's a middle part um, after after Hudden and Dudden come back from the market uh, after trying to sell their cow hides and finding out that they couldn't, the Jack's uh, mother-in-law dies and they all, all three of them have the same father and different mothers, it seems. So they all have different mother-in-laws. Um, and so Jack's mother-in-law dies and he's taking her by cart to get a casket and... He has her propped up beside him, I get, I gather from the imagery of it. And he goes into a saloon and asks a fella for a drink. And the guy asks, would you like, would your mother out there like a drink? And he said, yeah, go out and ask her. But like, she's hard of hearing, so you might have to bang hard or whatever. He goes out, like, ends up punching the body, trying to get her to answer, knocks it into a river. Jack calls him a murderer, says he murdered the mother and makes him pay loads of money. And then Hudden and Dudden murder their mother-in-laws and try to get money as well. And of course, get laughed by out of town and have to then bury their own mother-in-laws, which is gas, of course, and especially to say it off the cuff in in my natural accent. Um, But 
just trying to feel for Danielle, it seemed like a dark and another very random turn for it. So I thought cleaner again. I'm constantly reminded of Philip Pullman's introduction to his grim fairy tales, saying that we're uh, that swiftness is the key in fairy tales. Everything is sudden and swift. So it's all with that and soon after. And that's the glory of them. We don't need the filler. It's just, it's about the action. And and we're trying to make these fairy tales as clear as water, as he says, which is the most beautiful phrase. Um, but again, an incredible, <laughs> incredibly dark uh, side plot to it. Um, and how wonderful with the story of the preacher in the loft. Again, just... The talking crow element is fantastic and the devil, the devil imagery as well. The Richard Chase folktale book I have, um, there's some illustrations in it which are really, really cool to have uh, and there is a beautiful drawing of the preacher leaping out of the barrel. So presumably that guy died. Presumably Danielle burnt that guy to death. Um, so fair play, Danielle. She dark, she dark. Um what is interesting, I'm, I'm trying to remember where I was when I recorded the last one of these podcasts, where I had, where I had the last day off. Um, it was after Orlando. It was either in South Carolina or North Carolina or something. Um, but I don't think it was, I don't think it was before I was in uh, North Carolina. Um Sorry, I beg your pardon for that. Because I was in a I was in a town called Boone in North Carolina, um, which is like a mountain town. It actually didn't seem dissimilar to Wicklow Town. It might have been why I liked it. Uh, nice little river on through, but it was a proper. We were we were playing a show in the Appalachian uh, State University, and so I've spoken. I touched a little bit on the Appalachians. How this is. Um, this um, this culture in America that is derived hugely from English and Irish and kind of Celtic heritage. Uh, and North Carolina is the home of bluegrass, supposedly. It's where bluegrass was born and born out of uh, traditional Irish music and traditional Irish folk and English folk and Scottish folk and Welsh folk that was really born from that culture. Hence, it's huge similarities, but then it obviously developed and became its totally own thing. And I was very fortunate to stumble into a bar. Uh, well, I didn't stumble in, I might have stumbled out, but I wa- walked into a bar after the show we did in the Appalachian University and there was an authentic bluegrass band playing. There was like four musicians gathering around like one old-style radio mic and there were people dancing to this, like, um, like flat-footing, it's called. Like, it's the, the style of dance that goes along with bluegrass music. And to be honest, they could have been very well the worst or most boring bluegrass band of the world. I wouldn't have known the difference, but it was amazing to see uh, those who follow me on Instagram at Olahan Solo, all one word, um, will probably have seen me posting a video of, of this, um, of the last few weeks of the tour, that was just... It was just fantastic to see, but it was so cool because so many of these uh, photos that I'm doing now that came from Britain and Ireland and then went into the Appalachian uh, oral tradition. And so it was amazing to actually be in the home of that, to be in North Carolina. They're often like Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, that whole region there. Um, 
so it was really it was really something else to be traveling through there uh, to through the lands that these stories uh, were taken from and came from so that was a nice a nice way to finish off the tour um, in our last few stops we finished up in New Jersey on Wednesday I think and then the long the long flight home it's just one from Newark to uh, Newark to Dublin but just over the weekend I'm not really someone to suffer from jet lag at all, but I think just from the nine weeks of being on the road and um, s- sleeping on the buses and on hotels and just the long days, long longer nights, uh, it has really taken its toll on me now since I got back. But I think I'm just about over the jet lag now, which is fantastic, and just over the kind of post-tour illness as well. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling in the top of my health again and looking forward to getting cracking back here in Dublin. Got big plans for the summer um, on a numerous different projects and, of course, building Fireside more and more now that I'm home. Next week will be episode 20, which I'm so incredibly delighted about. It's that's I feel that that is an achievement in itself and we're about to hit a listening milestone as well that I'm not going to jinx. Uh, but I really want to. so now is definitely these are the, these are the two weeks now to really push if you want to recommend this to a friend to anyone if you enjoy this to go back and listen to other podcasts that you may have not listened to before now's the real time we're really trying to bump the listeners listenership in these next couple of weeks to hopefully take Fireside to a next level and as I've said before once we get to 20 now we can start making plans to do a Fireside live storytelling storytelling music show and um, that I think would be fantastic and I would love nothing more than to be able to do this live um, and have hopefully have people come along to see it in a new in a new and totally different experience to build it more and more which I think it could I think it could be good and I think it could work so with that um, I shall take my leave of you fine listeners thank you so much for listening to the tale I hope you enjoyed it um, I had a great time. Next week, we'll go back to mythology and we're getting into the adult days of our boy Fionn McCool. We're having our third look at the Fenian cycle of Irish mythology. And um, last week's episode was very popular. I was delighted, of course, with such a popular character as the Salmon of Knowledge. So I sh- hope you all enjoyed that episode. Um, and I hope we can build on this a bit more and more. Um, so I will wrap it up there. Uh, but thank you if this was your first time listening thank you if this was continued listening thank you to Jamie Reynolds my editor over at Headstuff for continuing to edit this for me um, and for Headstuff Podcast Network for putting this out the next time you hear me I will definitely be back in the studio hoping to get ahead of myself again record a few get a few episodes recorded at a time over the next couple of weeks uh, to build back up ahead of myself and to increase tenfold the quality hopefully of the less of the episodes so i hope you enjoy that all right i'll go before i continue to word vomit anymore but i will see you all next time on the fireside round the fireside wherever kush dinner adios this podcast is part of the headstuff podcast network